So I was just thinking, like, you know, it would be fun to talk about things that we're playing with or we've been focusing on a lot or seeing it's been really effective, like, just in practice, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have some things that I've been, you know, really been focusing attention on for students that has been really interesting. I'm sure you have recent stuff that you really like to play with or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. tip your tongue that you want to hop into that you've been really playing with in the training room? Um, I mean, yeah. So one of the things we've been doing a lot of is this idea of a conditionality. So, you know, fulfilling of conditions as they relate to searching for outcomes. And we've been creating games where you have to create the condition for as long as possible. So we've been removing some of the win conditions and just creating a, a continuous condition uh, or, or we call playable conditions. Playable is where uh, we, where the game continues as long as this thing is met and we try to keep it going no matter how crazy the position looks or what changes occur. Uh, and that's been fantastic for the guys. Um, and every, yeah, I mean, the typical example that, you know, we've talked about in the past is using line holding. So let's imagine I play a game where I go from feet to knees and mm -hmm. then I hold the line of the knee as long as I possibly can without progressing beyond it. And then the player's win condition would be something like getting inside position back or making the top player fall over. So as long as I stay on my feet and I never let inside position get back and I just stay at the knee and I, I hold you down, it continues until that that condition is broken yeah yeah i love that that has been like my first game every day i feel like i've been playing with that more and more which is always interesting dude i feel like when we talk we're like playing with similar stuff ish you know within a deviation of it is there certain situations where you like that because i've been playing with it with everywhere standing like every yeah. engagement you know? every engagement standing guarded pinning uh so yeah. you know we've been really exploring inside position in general and tr trying to take the scope of that simple idea and spread it out so typically it's discussed as just being in between let's say the arms in a front-facing manner or the legs in a front-facing manner but we've been exploring it uh in la lateral facing situations uh, uh all fours top player try to keep the inside position between knees and elbows and try to fill it with anything you can so we've mm -hmm. been doing a lot of uh, uh playable condition games uh with inside position too like all fours um you know standing standing stuff so yes yeah, mm -hmm. man that's that's cool because like uh you know just tying trying to spread theory across different you know parts and is obviously gonna be super effective for us as a coach to help them along i've been doing a very similar thing where you know inside position but rather than that just like you know the, these couple key pockets that we're trying to fight to control so we'll play a lot of games whereas you know fight to get behind the knee or between the thigh and the torso or the elbow and the yeah. torso or the ear and the shoulder. We want to occupy that space. And I've been using that as sort of like a little bit of a universal theory that it can use in most situations. For sure. For sure. If you're getting fucked up. People are in your spaces there. You know, the game is all about that. So we'll play a lot of interesting things just on holding certain zones even. not. Yeah. That's something I've really liked though. Cause I find it just opens their eyes. Let's say. It's yeah, yeah, no. Thing I find agreed. I, I feel like th there's this relationship with the new student and that condition. So, the longer they're able to maintain and explore that space, the more stuff they find. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you notice at first, I mean, one of the reasons I like to uh, kind of mix and match with, with new players is because the exchange is so quick. So, with a new player, they can't even hold the spot. You know, let's say, let's imagine we're going to start them in mount with double underhooks, and their job is to connect one of the arms to the head. Well, mm -hmm. they, they, a lot of times they lose the elbow before they even get a chance to do that. So instead, playing games where their main focus is just to stay under the elbows, 
as like the first game. And so they can really start to understand if, if I can stay under this position for extended periods of time, I have more opportunities to, let's say, connect one of the arms to the, the head. So mm -hmm. enhancing our students' skill there, I think, like in a, in a continuous playable condition, really it transfers over to their ability to create specific other conditions within that space. Um, right. You know what? Um, so I've been playing with something. I'd love to see if you've played with it or you've thought. I'm doing so much focus on stance, the main, like from a guarded scenario, in the okay, sense okay. that for me as a bottom player, I've been playing lots of games where we'll give our bottom player whatever configurations we want to sort of emphasize that day. Hey, maybe okay. it's more of a Dalahiva or a single like that, whatever it is, right? And I've been playing a lot of games where the bottom player's goal is just to control the stance in the sense that deny the top player from ever getting to double knees down and deny the top player from completely freeing their legs of any attachments. And just that as a foundational game for like new players has really helped them figure out guard and off balancing. Cause they're like, oh man, this guy's trying to get down to both knees. What can I do to simply just not that that knee get off the floor and it's been really interesting to just to focus on sort of the the stance or maybe like alignment in that sense you know we're thinking of the position has taught them so much about the guard engagement because they also don't let people just completely disengage from their guard for right? sure because, you know and it's like more and more i've just been playing a lot of games in the guard scenario especially that i feel have been really effective just on that premise because they're doing a lot of the other little like micro fights just focusing on this big, easy to understand picture. Top player wins if they're double knees down, chest facing me, or if they can disengage the legs and you know play sort of like outside loose. That's been a recent thing we've been using for like all open guard sense. It's been really fun. Have you thoughts well, no, of anything? Yes, we actually have, but I'm curious to just uh, on your understanding of something real quick. Why would you not want the top player to go double knees down? Yes, so exactly. We won't leave it forever. It's more so of uh, I use it as a way to help our athletes understand that they can control the range, right? We don't have to okay. accept the double knees down until we want a double knees down. Or, you know, just so because for me, when we're playing these games, a lot of it is going to be focused on trying to reinforce and get like quality connections that they can okay. use to determine where their partner can move. So it's within that scope. And then usually we'll stack expanded goals beyond that where now that condition is removed and you have more substantial tasks for both the top and bottom player now in that game where you have the top player start standing what if they just they just drop to their knees standing there like they just fucking fall down like boom uh is that an issue for that that condition for you for me no because you'll How see you people do that in like matches i feel like sometimes like hey i was forced to stand because they off balance me and this guy wants to immediately drop back down to both knees right so for me i'm thinking of it is if that's the scenario i wanted to create keeping you up because it plays my game or whatever trying to i, I would say that is what we've been using it for for them to for them to drop um, no, for the bottom player, just to understand that, like, hey, we want to control where the fight goes, because if this guy can choose to drop down to both knees at any time, you're going to lose a certain subset of sort of the ways that you like to play your open guard engagements, whether it's underneath guards or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. okay. So we've been using it to sort of help them with that. 
if that makes okay. sense. We, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I'm just, just curious about the idea. Uh, part of the way we develop our constraints is by trying to understand uh, the central theme that builds the whole concept of why we act in one way versus another as running as a thread through everything we do. And ours is immobility as being the achievable thing. So mm -hmm. I ha I wouldn't like the way that, that we structure it. I mean, I'm, the reason I'm asking I'm curious of what effects that yeah. had, because if, if I were teaching a bottom player how to, how to control the fight, I would want the bottom player to bring the top player closer to the floor. So, and I have a reason for that actually beyond immobilization, but the idea is that the more immobility we can put in our opponent's system, the more controllable they become. So we think of it as getting someone closer to the floor makes them more manageable. So if mm -hmm. we take someone from their feet to their knees, they become less mobile, more manageable. If they go from their knees to their hips, now they've fallen down, man, they're much more manageable. Bottom player can become top player or go behind. Uh, if uh, they're double knees down and bottom player is able to put top player in their hands, they become mm -hmm. that much more vulnerable to being immobilized. If you can put them on their elbows, bottom player can either get up or go behind, which is in, in our in our system, the ultimate goal is for the bottom player to be either become the top player or get behind, right? Uh, outside of threat being constant, because threat is always woven into all the exchanges. Threat being uh, under the threat of submission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that so, you know it's uh, interesting because you sort of like it. One thing that we've talked about in the past is like, hey, when it comes down to building games and stuff like that, so much of it ties into like you as the coach and your central theory of grappling, right? right. What do we prioritize? What do we always see? And like, you know, how do we want to bring that to our students' attention? Because it's interesting for me, like those stance games, I'll play the inverse too. Top player wins if they can go from being all the way down to the floor to finally getting all the way to their feet, playing back out, going to yeah, like. Yeah. You know, like so, it's we been it's been so good just for the the connections. I felt like now they like for brand new guys, like wow, you can play guard like pretty quick because you understand range, right? Which I think sometimes people can well, just like think of guard as I'm on bottom and they're somewhere, right? But no, right. Like, they're standing or they're here or they're past my hip or in front of my hip. Well, I just that's I just talked about this with Steve on the on the podcast is that um, he was talking about fundamentals and I was trying to tell him that fundamentals aren't moves or positions. There's no such thing as a fundamental position. There's no such thing as a fundamental move. They're only fundamental functions. So the idea is that a guard performs a function and this is and that function of what the guard does is what is is where the fundamental aspect of it lies so all guards manage distance and the only way that we can effectively manage distance from a guarded situation is through making and maintaining connections so having a student understand that their guard the purpose of their guard is to use it to control distance through making and maintaining connections no matter what the orientation of the body is is the foundation of what's happening so in the foundations program creating games where the bottom player gets to experience using their connections, making and maintaining them to specifically control distances definitely makes them better at all guards because that mm -hmm. is the central function of all guards. And doing something interesting like that, like you just suggested, where you start low and have the top player get back to their feet, but having the bottom player use their connections to deny that, that's fucking fantastic. Like um, we do this all the time. So we're, we're in a cycle mm -hmm. right now with, with breaking and back taking for the bottom player yep. where we start any type of entanglement from the bottom where both players are seated or even any type of gripping in position where, where both players are seated. The attacking player has to uh, break and back take, but all the defending player has to do is get to both feet. So if they're able to get to both feet, even if the guy gets behind you, it's a loss. If yep. top player gets to both feet, even if you're entangled and there's no threat present, it's a loss. 
So trying to really teach us, teach our students to use our connections to hold the top player to the floor. Yeah, and I and I love like, you know, one of my favorite things is about coaching is how can I get them to participate in this grappling engagement in like the right way with like the least, you know, just in looking at the big shape of like, man, if they go from here to, you know, just feet on the floor, we've lost, you know, right. it's very interesting how, how we can scale that to all your learners probably. Right. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's my favorite thing is when it's that, that broad to the room, I can then go dial it in here or there, or, you know, with each individual athlete. Is that something you've been doing more of you find or. Oh, you mean deal going from a general, a general. Yeah. Cause like, you know, I'm just thinking cause like of, um, you know, games like that I like because you broad enough in, you know, where I'm pointing the room's attention for a room, but I can go over to, Hey, Greg, list really for you attention yes. to this. Right. Are you playing with that more, more of the individualized sort of attunement? Well, so I've always done that. I'm going to shut these blinds so I can see more clearly. It's reflecting off my face. But no, I've always yeah, been, I, I've always been like uh, very focused on individuals because I believe that true skill development at the ultimately is specific to each person. Mm -hmm. um, we only use the general class as a way to teach people how to start engaging in behavior. So can yeah. we give a student an intention? That's too dark. What the fuck? Uh, we, <laughs> I have a sultry in here, dog. I know. I know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, can we give a student an intention uh, based on some foundational feature of how we play the game? And then can we uh, use that to help them grow skill? And as they grow skill, can we use that to focus more specifically on what they need? So that's kind of mm. how I think about it. Like I tell all my guys that the foundations class is literally how to play the game. That's what you're yep. learning. And you're also learning how to be intentional while playing the game. And then once you can play the game at a base level, me top bottom, all that bullshit, you understand how to intend to do something and you can do what you intend to do. Then we can start being very specific to each person because now mm. you have that foundational piece. I can play and I can be intentional. And now yeah. it becomes easy to deal with each individual as they're facing these problems, as we're creating tasks for them to help solve these problems. Mm -hmm. anyway that's the way i think about it right i think about yeah. it as a layering process yeah i know that that's great if you were to think of in like your average room how many of your athletes do you end up giving their own individual sort of points of attention or All maybe a constraint so once they make the transition so really what i look for if I look for people that to be doing more training, I, you know, yeah, let's imagine we have, you, have, you know, two major groups. You had the two day week guys who kind of come and go as they please. And the people who come once a week, twice a week, three times a week, every now mm -hmm. and then and they're just, they, I'll leave them be. Then you have the people who start to transition to men. They're steady four day weekers. And they, they even, let's say they just only do the foundations. They don't do the all levels yet. That's when I start talking to individuals. Once I see that four day a week consistency, now we can mm -hmm. start seeing the effect the practice is having on their abilities. And then it becomes more easy for me as a coach to clearly see why they're having success and failures. And then I start talking to them because right. the, you have to remember at first we have to control for the things that are typical in all skill development situations, consistency, focus of effort, things like that. If that mm. stuff isn't taken care of, it's almost hard to affect an individual because the problem yeah. might just be that motherfucker didn't show up enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So no matter what we tell them, we can't really affect them. So, uh, yeah. So 
So you're, you're you're basically just looking for when that athlete sort of shows you that they've tipped over into like an engaged learner on their own. You know, that's you exactly sort of right. That tipping point, and that's like, I know for me, that's like probably what I think of my foundations as being all about, and the way we run like our sessions is just to get you to know the enough jujitsu that now you want to get good at things. Yes, because you yes. can read the map. You know, and I think sometimes we can lose that because we go too deep it's like man but they don't they, they just need to see the whole game so they can figure out how they want to play it yeah do you feel like you're able to do that well like take students from initial interest to deeper interest to specific student you know um so for me i would say i can get people to the point where now when they come up to me with questions, their particular things, you know, I'm noticing, I, I really want to try and funnel people more here. And when I hear that, I'm like sick. Cause you yeah. know that there's places to funnel people and you can sort of think of that, you know? So we've been doing a pretty good job of helping like even your dad who comes in three times a week, you know, eventually thinking that way, which I love, you know, that's super powerful, you know, create the engaged learner. Cause all of like, you know, in most schools or clubs like all the top guys were guys who started taking their learning in their own hands right or Agreed. a little bit right 100 like you you were probably self-directed a lot of the time i know for me like from start well, to finish my 18 years or me on my <laughs> well like me with a remote you know mentor or whatever but still it's like all the best guys i know did that little bit we tipped them over so but the easiest way to get people exploring it is to show them the the broad right so then yeah. they can dive deep on their own for sure I mean, that's really what I, I was talking. I was talking to Steve recently uh, on this other this recent podcast I did, and I think that the only type of learning is self-learning. I really don't. So I don't mm -hmm. see myself as like a teacher in the traditional sense. Like I'm going to jam this information into you. you. Must remember what I say. Uh, I consider myself a guide. Right. I create the opportunity for practice to happen, and I try to focus it so that if you engage with it, you're going to get something out of it. But ultimately, I'm giving you the tools of engagement. I'm giving you an opportunity to learn. And I'm teaching you how to go about the learning process so that even if I didn't show up and let's say the class ran as it would, you would still be able to learn something. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think that's the, there's the only type of learning is self-learning and teaching our students how to engage in that process, I think is our, our, our central job now. That's what we do. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, like that, that's why, I, you know, more and more it's, interesting in the way I coach is I used to be way more specific, even in my creation of practice activities, knowing that I want it to be live and whatever. It's just fascinating. If I think back to like a year and a half or so ago, it's like, man, a lot of my games were regressive in nature. Okay. Starting here, working back, you know, like to teach an idea. Whereas now I notice my games are less finite in trying to create a particular type of technical outcome and yeah. more about trying to foster a style of play. And this is the big okay. thing I've been really thinking about in my like way to approach my practice plan. It's like, yo, I want loose passing to be the skill we develop, but it's not leg drags. I want you to develop. It's, I want you to learn fighting connections, footwork, how to pin from a north-south position effectively, because those are some of the things that will allow you to be like a loose passer, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot more in like how I design activities. Because in the beginning, it was very much how can I make this one solution emerge, right? And I'm yeah. sure lots of yep. people sort of start there.
because it's the easiest adaptation from being very prescriptive already. Because how can I, you know, make this appear? But now I'm realizing I'm like, I'm almost way the other way. And it's <laughs> yes. fascinating. But it's been way more effective. No, like, I'd love um, to hear that evolution. That this is so you I, I don't think you asked me, but someone asked me a while back, they were like, What's the first mistake you made? And I was like trying to funnel people into moves because I didn't know how else to use it. That's how I thought it was used. And then mm -hmm. the more I go about it, the more how nebulous isn't the right word, but the more spread out, the more general I let the behavior be. I don't care where it goes as long as it goes towards effectiveness. So that's really cool to hear that you've come to a similar conclusion. Yeah, and it's just like it makes sense, you know, like it obviously we all know it makes sense, but it's just a way more effective practice because like I, I was thinking like, man, I used to spend a session maybe segmenting a knee cut into different component battles, right? Whereas I could have just been focusing on the universal battles that are good for that style of passing, you know, pressure right. passing or whatever, or, you know, whatever we want to try and categorize it as is a way, you know, like that's what my biggest theme. I'm not sure. Like, how do you think of when you're think crafting like your practices, right? I think yeah. of styles of play a lot is like my main thing now is I create activities to gent to, you know, highlight a style of play. Hey, the games we play here will sort of lend itself to be a body locker. Yeah. Or da, 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 da. what do you think of? Well, I don't think of any of that anymore, man. Like I mm. honestly, and I'm not, I'm going to, please don't let anything I say be that I'm being disparaging. I'm just, I have a very specific mm. philosophy of, of play, yeah. uh, but none of it has to do with loose, tight hips. I, I don't think of any of that anymore. The only mm. thing that I think of is effect. What effect am I trying to produce over my opponent? And sometimes that requires being super close. Sometimes that re requires being at a particular angle. So I don't like to use these, what I would consider arbitrary lines of analysis, like loose or tight passing, because the truth is, is tightness is relative. Looseness is relative. Loose to what? Tight to mm -hmm. what? Because if we think about just a physical level of control, just from a physical standpoint, the first thing that has to be exhibited for control to start to happen is closeness. And closeness can be analyzed down to my grip, getting close enough to touch you, versus mm -hmm. my whole body being close enough to hover over top of you. Then we can look at it as how close am I, not only relative to you in this way, but relative to you in the floor. So then you realize that tightness is all there ever is. It's just how we look at what aspect of the body is exhibiting tightness mm -hmm. is, is, the, is the line of analysis that we use to determine if, what type of passing. So I just erase all that. I assume closeness is the initial proxy for control. So what I do is I center all my games around trying to produce closeness. So mm -hmm. closeness at different levels. And we really have two levels of closeness. We have closeness from me to you and closeness of me to you to the floor. And so mm -hmm. I try to center all my games around developing and understanding there. Um, so an example would be something like this. Uh, we would constrain, let's say, passing in two major ways. We would say top player's job is to uh, break connections, like go through the segmentation process, feet, knees, hips. Uh, and you can exist on any line that you want, hands, shoulders. You can exist anywhere around the body. But at no time can you drop double knees down or can you use chest to chest contact. So what's mm. this, what this does is it, it constrains closeness as just me to them, not me to them to the floor. So I have to learn how to stay close without using my chest. So I can't actually hold them to the ground. So mm. I learn how to control just by going close to them and just constraining like the chest to chest or the double knees down teaches people how to use that initial proxy, that initial closeness to exhibit control. But if I want them to, let's say, be tighter overall, 
then we would play like a hip access game where we would do the same thing. We would go through segmentation, feet, knees to hips, but the win is surrounding your opponent's hips. So that would require you to drop down to them and get tighter to them, like in, in the way that we're talking about me, mm -hmm. them, the floor. So those are two different ways. And so one you could analyze as loose and one you could analyze as tight, but either way, it's just, they both require the player to learn how to get close to their opponent for, to create different effects. Right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting because for me, when I'm thinking of like, uh, sort of dialing into like a style of play, I, I'm going to think of it as weird comparison, but it makes sense to me sometimes when I think of like, think of like pro football, right? Mm -hmm. There's teams that, you know, they run a smash mouth running offense. We don't have to practice all the plays that make up their playbook, but there's certain things that a smash mouth running team does really well. Right. Just like how I, I think in, in my view, sometimes we used to, there's certain things a passer who likes to pass outside does really well. And for sure, for sure. We can like game around that, not to elicit just that, but to like, I think like sometimes recognizing a style that they could be using or an approach, not necessarily a granular thing, but like knowing that, you know, or yeah, you sort of see where I'm going. It's something we've been playing with a lot in the way I like, I think of how I want to present, because I don't want to present positions or moves because I don't really find a lot of utility in that. But there's, you know, ways people fight is what I want right. to sort of show them. Like, this is a way people will fight. So let's play games or do practice activities that would sort of help you build skills if this is a way you wanted to fight or you were fighting someone who was trying to do these things, you know? Like, that that's sort of where I come from when I, I talk about that idea and the way it reflects itself in practice. Oh, no, the, the idea is some sound. I get what you mean. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. Uh, my experience has been such that that comes out on its own. So yeah. I really don't like to constrain style. I like the mm -hmm. style to be expressed by the individual. So this is the reason why we use so much variability. You know, let's say we're player to player and player, player to floor. Mm -hmm. Then we'll, we'll create many different games where you have to explore that in many different ways. So you, when it's time to play the whole game, you will be attracted to the one that, that is most effective to you or that feels the best to you or that uh, constrains you in whatever way your, your, your physical capabilities allow, your action capacities allow. So I, I, even though people at my gym tend to have a similar style, it's, it's almost accidental. It's like mm. a result of the room, not of what I'm telling them to do, because we do so right. much variation in approach. So again, I don't mm. like to constrain style. I personally just want to constrain style specifically. I'd like to let that be expressed on its own. But mm. I, I, I coach what, to what I consider to what we call physical certainty. So right. the way that I first I analyze the game relative to immobility versus mobility, and then I take all our actions. What how do the how does the body engage physically as a system to either decrease mobility for our opponent or increase it for ourselves? And then I create games around that. And then whatever comes out comes out. Whatever stylistic mm -hmm. methodologies come out, I let them be. As long as they're either you're able to immobilize or stay mobile, we're good to go. So rather mm -hmm. than teach like to styles or to moves, I teach to my central concept. And that central concept is immobilization as it leads to strangulation and breaking. Mm -hmm. So I let that be my guide for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. I, that That's, yeah, I see how you've sort of made it all really tight in that, which is, Great, because then everything is a filter. Not a filter, but yeah, it's a good course correction. I do want to ask you something about variability. Yeah, sure. Um, one thing that I started doing a little more is 
what's your like in your average session let's say foundations let's say right um what does it look like in terms of how often do you like to have people switching partners or mm -hmm. switching you know that type of stuff because you know i had a phase where for me i love the idea of straight like one partner for you know when we're working on this whole engagement get a lot of constant feedback it's sort of enough variability for you to handle and you know get used to whereas now i find myself being way on the other side like i want very little of that with the one partner and more variable touches within you know a certain range of appropriate partners or things like that what do you how do you like to do that type of stuff like in terms of mixing up your room well for early players i like to keep the variability centered around a, on a, a like a one aspect of it so Typically, we do one player with one player the whole class, and mm -hmm. we do a lots of different situations. Yeah. So we let the situation express the variability. But the consistency is that you're with somebody that you've already touched. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of certainty there. I know this person. I've touched this person. I've been working with them all day. That kind of helps the problem-solving process become a little more um, predictable or readable. And I yep. think that's that's valuable for the, the newer player because it reduces some of that variability for them. And then they only focus on the variability present within the physical engagement of the game mm -hmm. itself. However, right. I think another way you could do it, would, I haven't experimented with this, but this would be an idea, where is you switch partners every time, but you play the same two or three games all class. You don't change it. So what you let is you let the game be the consistent part but you let the body be the variable part. Mm -hmm. And I think I think both are very interesting and I think would produce interesting effects. And so the way that we the way that I think about my whole week is I think about the whole week. So Monday through Thursday is constrained. Each day you stay with that same person all day. But if you switch classes, or sorry, excuse me, we have three classes each day. For that one class, you're with that same person the whole class. Right. If you switch classes, you have to pick somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, you can't pick the same people you have to pick somebody else. And so uh, we use different people all week because by Friday mm -hmm. or Saturday, by the time Friday or Saturday comes, we're doing nothing but regular rounds. We're switching partners every time. Yeah. So anyway, I, 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 there's an increase in variability in my program as the week progresses. Mm -hmm. um, so we go from like hyper-focus early in the week to like more variable focus by the end of the week. Yeah. But no, but anyway, yeah, I, 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 I don't have any, particular reason. I mean, I think you can do it a thousand different ways, but I like to control, I have to, I like to control the parameters of why behavior is happening a little more closely. So I know the effect of what it is that I'm manipulating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I was very much doing, you know, same partner the whole session through a variety of different engagements for some time. And I found that was awesome. More recently, I started to play with more so of a base game. You and I will play it. I'll have straight time. You'll have straight time, right? Then okay. you and I maybe will play it as more of a flip-flop. Because I've been playing a lot more of the same game, but okay. changing how we do it. So first okay. time, straight time. Second time, you and I flip-flop. Okay. Third time we go through it, I'm going to make a small group of four or five. I like that. Yeah. But the first four or five group is based on weight. And then I do like, then I do another iteration where now it's based on skill. So now you're going to like, so it's been very interesting because I allow them to start sort of stable, one partner, you know, straight time. And then they get to play with that same partner, but now 
the outcome has teeth, right? Because you flip-flop every time. And then I like to move, okay, from there now to people of a similar size, right? Playing a similar game. Maybe we've expanded or changed the scope a little. And then to, you know, all the similar skilled players in the room. It's It's been really interesting. And it's been really nice for me to not, like, I just find everyone's gotten so many more unique touches that they're, really centering on what's more because sometimes you can game a partner just oh, a partner. Oh, oh, you you know game a partner all when i yeah. push you this way i know this guy case yeah 100 super cool to see them like it, it gets rid of so many false positives i find for my guys because they yeah. go through it in like a really good progression it's just been what i've been playing with and like no, i like it the, the athletes really enjoy it so like obviously that's a tick right like you that matters they are engaged whatever but like seeing it sort of scale up in the variability i like that and i think so far it's been like really really interesting well i i think it's interesting i think it really gets them to hyper focus on the the task constraint so rather than switch mm -hmm. the task you're mm -hmm. constraining the individual constraints i like that, that mm -hmm. see I, i'm i'm particularly obsessed with task constraint i mm -hmm. don't know why like you know <laughs> I just, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with the philosophy behind the game, the physics behind the game. So oh, yeah. I, as a coach highlight that, like that, that's just my personal obsession, but mm -hmm. I like how you're trying to get that, letting the individual constraint guide what's happening in the game. I, I haven't, I haven't hyper-focused on that ever. So that, that's, mm -hmm. that, that's sparking my interest right now, man. Uh, so yeah. We, and it's interesting you pick those things because we do a little, like, let's, let's talk about how we do our weekly variation. So mm -hmm. general rule, same partner, all class. You have to switch partners per class per day. Great. Each day we'll focus on, let's say a theme. Let's say, you know, this week we're focusing like hip centric themes where we're doing standing engagement, starting off. We're uh, making connections around the hips wins as the objective and the task constraints will be variable. And then the next game would be like standing player, seated player, hip access for both players wins the game. And then we'll do uh, chest to chest pinning all the way to submission where we're starting with hip access. And so like, let's say hip, hip, that hip centric uh, starting point mm -hmm. or win condition is, is spread throughout each game. Now mm -hmm. the next day we'll do those same situations, but the, it'll, it, the constraints will change slightly. We'll either add more people like two, uh, groups of three we've been doing mm -hmm. or winner stays in as long as they continue winning the engagement. Um, and so we've been each day, we, we keep the same situation, but we manipulate the variables within the situation. Uh, just like you sort of have done, let's say with one mm -hmm. round, it'll be like fulfill the condition. Mm -hmm. Next round, it'll be flip flop. Next round, be equal time. Then you'll change partners and you'll do groups. So we do that throughout the week rather mm -hmm. than the single day. So where I'm doing those same manipulations, but as the day unfolds, not so much. Like, like I said, Monday right. might be playable conditions only. Tuesday might be terminal conditions only. Uh, mm -hmm. Third day might be groups of three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, one thing is like, it sounds like you're pretty loose with it too. I, I try to be loose too, because if I see today, like today, it won't make a difference. It won't be a valuable touch for me to turn this into small group play. Yes. They need maybe a new game with a new task. That's yep. the better, you know, that's, that's another thing, just not evolving. But as I've continued, like, man, I used to be very prescriptive. Now I have start points. What yeah, is yeah. the start point of this standing engagement we want to focus on? You know, what is the start point of this guard engagement we want to focus on? And I use like, you know, my first game is a diagnostic oftentimes. Yeah, you know? me too, me too. I think of it like, 
you've never played Street Fighter before, so I'm just handing you the controller. You're <laughs> fucking around. Let's see if you can block shit, bro. And then let's make it complex. Like, I always think of, like, that's my starting point, you know? Like, first game is just hold this controller and do something useful, you know? And then Yeah. Right. And then I have to see what do we need to focus on. But yeah, I can see it being daunting, but, like, truly now it's way more fun for me as a coach because I'm uh, okay. always engaged in their development, you know? Well, that's our job, right? So mm -hmm. the fact that it is more daunting actually makes you engage more. So the job becomes a little more complex because now you're, you're realizing how much you're actually dealing with. So what's interesting, mm -hmm. it loosens our view on outcome. So we're like, all right, fuck outcome. Okay, we'll just use yep. that as another data point. Uh, but how are we going to manipulate changing that outcome? You know, uh, but the things we have to be paying attention to are massive. So... I love it. It, it, it. And it's really cool to hear how much you've invested in this process. You know, I've talked to a lot of people and I still have people just calling me and wanting to talk to me, asking me about games. And I'm like, fuck, man. But, you know, listening to you and hearing how deep you've gone with it, how much you've played with all the central ideas. It's, and that's so cool. <laughs> it makes you feel happy and excited. Well, you know, that's why I thought it would be fun to have like this type of conversation. Because like, it's totally different, I think. You know, it's fun for us to be able to just Yo, what are you trying and error, error, you know, because we have to trial and error, just like, you know, it's, it's the game, you know, it's yeah. how we're going to make our room better, how we shift. Yeah. And so nobody, you know, it's funny, it's like all the questions you asked me today, nobody is deep enough in it to even ask me these questions. So all these things that you're talking about, like I've either explored or I'm, I'm, I've thought about exploring or, you know, I, they're in my notes. But it's rare that I get to talk to somebody else who's in, mm -hmm. in that space too, you know. I have another uh, coach of mine, uh, Josh Root, and he and I talk like you and I are talking now once a week. We, we talk once a week. We talk about game design. We talk about uh, how the practices went. We talk about talk about the issues we ran into, uh, how we could probably troubleshoot to, to fix the issues that we're running into. But other than him, shit, I don't talk to anyone at that level. So, yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's really cool to, to hear you do this. Uh, one thing, if you don't mind, I'll bring up. Yeah, yeah, something that's please. been kind of frustrating to me is uh so have you noticed i'm not on the i'm not on the discord mm -hmm. and, and part of the reason i'm not in the discord is exactly kind of what we're talking about here like this failure to commit to the central ideas and only to attach to the novelty of the idea and mm -hmm. try to use it as a replacement for a technique has been something that i think is uh ruining our message a little bit yeah. And you know, one of the things that i've seen that's been bothering me about practice is people adding objects to practice like holding uh, holding balls to grapple away, the poker chips no I, I was thinking about this today actually it came up because i did a little video and I, I analyzed your practice by the way if you want to talk about that i did that today oh yeah um, yeah, that's funny. yeah. I, told, I don't even remember what i sent you now oh but, it was actually not it was actually good uh so i'll yeah, tell you i don't even remember now but that's I'll, funny i'll tell you my analysis of the of the game in a second but uh you realize that when in in sports like baseball right where you're trying to change the way your elbow leaves your body when you're throwing a ball. We don't have a control parameter that really helps us focus on where that elbow is. So by putting a bag under your arm, for example, and throwing it, you can see where the bag goes as a relationship with how you're holding it and where your elbow is. So this is a very critical constraint for getting people's elbow to be in the correct position. Or maybe putting a little ramp under a pitcher's foot so when they step, they have to step in a specific way. This is important because again, they don't have anything interacting with their body to help them like change limb position, change, mm -hmm. change delivery times. But when we're grappling, we have another body. Like our, yeah. our partner's body is the control parameter. So if I'm practicing chest to back contact, for example, and I'm trying to improve at it, 
I don't have to put a poker chip between me and them because the result of me losing their back is the equivalent of losing the poker chip. And what's even worse about the poker chip is it, 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 it acts like training wheels. So it, it's actually a decoupling agent because now you're not worried yeah. about the effect you're having on your opponent. You're worried about whether you're keeping the poker chip close enough or not. And there's no relationship between closeness of poker chip and ability to keep your chest on your partner's back. So it's just a misunderstanding of the science because you've been blinded by novelty, mm -hmm. you know? And I was seeing this with the tennis balls too. Like there could be an argument for holding tennis balls for a very elite player who's say, for example, not using their elbows to mm -hmm. do more of the control. So you want to take away their hands. So they have to use their elbow pressure, for example. But mm -hmm. with new players, they don't even know how, where to put their hands yet. Sorry, I got a rant for a second. I was just talking yeah. about this today. Dude, I, I love it. It's bugging me. It's bugging me. I'm like, how are these guys, how did they get there? You know? So, yeah, I think yeah. we need to, we need to, we need to exhaust our opponent's body as the, the main control parameter before we start adding in objects. See, and sometimes I think that the, does not desire, but we add in the objects because like, it seems like it's a faster way to bring it to someone's attention, but truthfully, we're just distracting them from what they should really be paying attention I, to is how I, I feel about all no, that. I completely always. agree. I have a, like, I might as well have just told you a confusing thing before this and had you try and do it. Like, why not just do that? Like, not that it's that bad, but it's yeah, yeah. totally distracting. For sure. For I'm sure. not pinning you in a way that would pin you. I'm just keeping this here on, yeah. you know, this little, yeah, I'm not into it. Plus, like, I don't want to deal with setup time. There's a human right here. Just touch him. Just fucking grab this human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. See if you can fit in that gap, bro. You know, like. No, exactly right. Yeah, it just uh, bugged the shit of me because uh, I had to analyze a guy's video this morning, and he he does poker chips and balls and stuff. Um, and it's funny, the, I, it's surprising because I had to analyze his game, and the games he gave me were and I, were pretty terrible. And they were terrible because they were just situational sparring, and that's fine. Situational sparring is a tool that we use, but mm -hmm. it, it's not constraints led, not in in a way where we're manipulating, let's say, task constraint or environmental constraints or individual mm -hmm. constraints. Really, we're not really manipulating anything. Uh, so it's just it was. They were, it would be like, you know, start in the triangle, uh, submit your partner with chokes and arm locks. Well, that's situational sparring, man. Like that's not anything. So even at a fundamental level, trying to manipulate the game itself, the, the, the guy wasn't good at. So you want to go ahead and add a poker chip or a ball, but you can't manipulate the game itself, man. You're just, you're, mm -hmm. you're putting the cart before the horse here, pal. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, but like trying i guess you know trying to da dabble you know i'm always down but it it, it just seemed like ah oh, there's a simpler way like well, I, I understand we're trying to make this simple way because like oh now there's tactile feedback but bro like you said there's humans you know there's humans right there you know i'm not trying to be an asshole being overly critical i actually don't mm. think that is trying i think mm. that's not trying because hmm. The thing is, is the, the first thing that I tried to do is use what's already there. So I had to maximize what's in front of me. And I didn't understand the science when I first started reading it. I didn't understand what they were trying to say. So rather than jump on the most flashy thing, I'd say, ah, let's, let's take as much away as I can and try to use oh, just yeah. a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, because the first thing you should try to do is understand, not just say, oh, I get it. Add poker chips. We're good. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think the lazy man's way into it. So well, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like, uh, again, weird comparison, but think of like, you know, 
fitness. It's like you can do the training, or you can buy the supplements. People I think you just you read my mind. Service, bro. Like you I read just, my mind. I think this does it. You know, but <laughs> yeah. Like I always think of that with that. It's like, oh, you can't just do that. You can't just yeah, you can, but like you're you know, you can't <laughs> a little bit, and I get it. It's yeah, that's funny. You have the same thought. Yeah, I always think the same way. Like all yeah, it's like I want to get in shape, so I gotta buy a Peloton first. It's like yep. Have yeah, you even been outside today? Easy thing, you know. It's easy to buy. That's why people want your games course, dog. Yeah. Why don't you just give me the easy button. Uh, you I know can what's funny? Immediately ignore. <laughs> we've been filming and filming, and we've been we've done so many iterations of um, well, how I want to put this out. We keep scrapping it because what you realize is that no matter how you go about doing it, you're just doing the same thing as technique. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think what we've ultimately come to is we're going to create a course to get started just to get started so you can have a tool to start to understand variability so you can have mm -hmm. a tool to understand how to make your students immune to novelty and manipulate novelty but not as like the end-all be-all like start here and then use these tools and learn how to use them on your own like as you progress forward so mm -hmm. this is the model that we're set we're focusing on now but it's been hard, man. I've been stressing the fuck out, like, because I want to give a, a really uh, good product that's quality controlled that is is being honest, uh, mm -hmm. and it's it you it's hard to sell this shit unless you're bullshitting. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, how dare you try to teach a man to fish? <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that in this day and age. The audacity. Uh, it's know. crazy, man. But. But yeah, let's. I want to talk about. Let's talk about your game real quick because that's just fresh in my mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What yes. was it? Was it a standing game, guard game? Yep. St standing game. You had one player start with inside ties. So you had like a collar tie and inside bicep ties, where you had uh -huh. one player start, and their job was to to control distance to keep their connections on the inside. The defending player's job, or excuse me, the uh, progressing player's job was to break the connections and try to get in between the elbows so they could connect their hands, or get outside the elbows so they could connect their hands. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought your game design was great. So that idea is, I think, is really cool. Give one player, man, stay inside. Keep your hands in your partner. Don't let them remove your hands. What other player, remove hands and try to use the removal to get in between or outside to get close and close your hands. Great, great stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought where, and I said this on your video, we're going to put this out, I think, in a couple of days. Cool. But just the language. So uh, as you just, so the physical description and the idea behind the game, I thought was money. But the way you delivered it was options like, oh, you could do this. You could do this. You might want to look for this. I think that more direct language, like what do you want them to do? Inside guy, stay here. If you lose inside, get back to inside. Other guy, remove connections, get closer, close your hands. Just give it to him straight up. Like, mm -hmm. no, this could, maybe this, nothing like that. Just oh, yeah, because I think I was showing, like, you know, you might clear it to get outside the yeah, elbow. Yeah, yeah. You might pop up to get in, right? Is that sort of what happened? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, right. don't be afraid to give them a physical example. So, so one of the issues that I'm having right now is people are misunderstanding me when I say I don't teach my student techniques and they won't demonstrate anything. Demonstration mm -hmm. is important because we use our eyes to pick up information. So when my coach is talking about being outside the elbow, I need to know what he means by that. So mm -hmm. by showing outside the elbow, this could enhance their perception of what you're asking them to do. So like I said, your demonstrations, I thought were great. I like how mm -hmm. you and your partner both demonstrated what you wanted the, the starting situation to be, what you out, wanted the outcome to be, and what inside and outside meant. But talking through the options, I think that becomes mm -hmm. gets a little nebulous mm -hmm. and confusing. 100%. I, I would likely agree. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
totally forgot. I was like, hey, I, f- I forgot I just threw that in that <laughs> chat with somebody posted because like I have video of every class and I watch shit all the time. And I was just yeah. like watching that game. I was like, oh, dude, I'll just cut this right now. Drop it in there. Why not? That was good. I love it because I said, uh, and I think the language is something we're always messing with because as coaches, that's kind of our medium for uh, the conveyance of information. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's the hardest thing to do because you're always talking to different people for different reasons. So trying to come up with very clarifying language has been my obsession anyway, because mm-hmm. I, I can't stand listening to myself. <laughs> so when I do, I go back and I fucking rip it apart to try to be more clear in what I mean. So well language is like the big multiplier right if i can be really efficient with my language it can mean a lot of things can unpack it there can be depth to the communication without me having to distract you or waste your time or other things you know like what is the core message that's most important to have them engage in this like that i find is the skill i'm always going man did i say too much i wish i said less or i wish i would mostly cued this than that or you know like not cued that particular, not being that particular, but you know what I mean? Like, for sure, for always sure. the challenge is like, did I use that moment of influence to really bang it out of the park, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that too. I, I used to, so I use, so I use constraints on myself as a coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, like time was one I used a lot. I used to put time on my phone. I used to put 90 seconds and I yep. had to get the message out in 90 seconds. And so if I missed, I was like, how can I say that simply? How can I say that more simply? How can I still convey the message? Now it's such that I always fall within the 90 second range without even timing myself anymore. You know what I mean? So I was telling someone this and they didn't believe me. They were visiting the gym. Like, I'm going to put a timer on. I was like, go. I fucking hit nine, almost 90 seconds every single time. It was like, you know, 132, 135, 127. I was like, I told you, motherfucker. I used to practice this shit. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, because it's it's funny though, because we have to like when you really want to coach, you're like, fuck, I have to care about my words now. I thought I just had to be a barbarian <laughs> and bend your arm behind your back, bro. That's right. I, thought that's, I thought that's all this took. Well, now since we use the ecological approach, we're all, we're eco bros now, so uh, we just let them figure it out. We don't have to do anything; just let them figure it out, bro. You know, it's that easy. Uh, I'm just in the DMs <laughs> on the side of the mat now. I don't even coach, bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't figure it out yourself. Fuck. Uh, Yo, actually, I have something curious. I would be curious to see if you've changed sort of what you did. At one point, I remember you didn't really do much of the standing engagement with your foundations. Yeah, still I've now made it a part of every session. It's a short project, a short experiment, probably six to seven weeks. But it's an awesome because it has never been to the floor. So like that game that I showed you, like mm-hmm. I'm doing that stuff every day now. And it's been really interesting because... Like before I avoided the stand engagement for, I think like the normal reasons that we think, Hey, people have to opt in to getting smashed. Totally fine. But I realized by just focusing on the entries and connection stuff, I get to teach so much of what happens on the ground and other engagements in the stand engagement, which is sort of simple for humans to understand. Yeah. I mean, so like I've added it into every session, partly for that. And partly now I don't have to worry an open mat if these two white belts want to wrestle. They know they've moved, they've moved, fought for good, you know, initial positions. But I've really, really liked it because of that benefit of them like understanding head position as being a line of defense, not just on your feet, it's in half guard, it applies, or it applies, you know, like so we've added into every session. Do you still not really uh play with much standing engagement yeah, and foundation, so or where are you now, at now with that well now you're making me fucking i'm about to, you're about to accept your challenge and do that shit tonight 
but, but, <laughs> let's go. Uh, no, so uh, at seven o'clock we do. So six to seven is still a typical thing. We we do mm-hmm. three three games. So now, but I took oh, I did take three minutes out. I don't do anything three minutes anymore. Everything we do in the foundations is six minutes, and it's right. always flip flopping top to bottom. This right. over the last couple of months has just this has been huge. Uh, it allows more time for exploration. Uh, I'm not so nervous about their fatigue. I'm designing games better so that they're not so fatigued. So the six mm-hmm. minutes is nothing now. And it's been great. The, the class feels more cohesive and it's great. Uh, but no, it's still uh, three initial games from one situation and then two games from previous situations, from previous lessons, mm-hmm. and then a regular round. That's been my foundations class mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember. Uh, seven o'clock now is standing engagement first. So mm-hmm. we have, and we've been doing either connected to destabilization or disconnected to connected or some combination of the two yep. as the first game. Second game is guarded. Third game is chest to chest. Fourth game is chest to back. I mean, and I, I say that loosely, but that's what I'm doing now. And then eight, eight to nine is all standing engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, that's how my program's running right now. But now you make me want to just take one of those games in the first class and make it standing. Man, I've loved it. And people love it. Cause like, like, you know, like I always think, Hey, cool. I want to make people awesome at jujitsu for sure. Right. All, all though there's, you know, needs that we want to try and hit for a student. And like one need that I don't hit or like, I always felt like I don't hit is like, if you come for self-defense and you never have That's another true. person shove you around on your feet, that's the most basic form of self-defense I can give anyone. You're Be 100% right. Standing up with another person touching you while you're standing up. So that was the other reason. Like, man, I think it does sort of have to be in there even for that. Yeah. You know? And like, I agree. Spot. Yeah. So that was sort of what moved me to like, man, maybe I'm going to try. And like the way we've been playing it, it's all been sort of what you've been doing. It's either entries or we'll even start them in rear body locks, but like all you can do is foot blocks to try and put their hand on the mat. Yeah, yeah, We're great. We're not putting yeah. people to their hip, but it's been really good. Or we'll start like standing with like a single leg cross hip already. Just keep it. We're just keeping it. Nothing made, like, you know, it's yeah. been really good. Um, and I was just curious if you had played around, but cool. I like to know. Yeah, see, this is why I like this type of conversation because we're, we're doing shit. We're trying shit. And I like to just know why you think of certain things or I'm playing with whatever. So, yeah, yeah no, I, you know, I, I really like it. Uh, I, I want to do it. I would have, so I'm also uh, really obsessed with the holistic approach. So there are some arbitrary rules I've made for my classes some arbitrary rules that I've made for myself. And mm-hmm. I sometimes I, I have a hard time separating from them uh, just because I see this picture that I want things to go towards. And this could mm-hmm. be my weakness as a coach. Um, and I would love to do that with new guys. Cause I think your point about being comfortable on the feet, being crucial to self-defense situation people come for that you're don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise i think you're 100 right uh but now yeah i feel challenged but you know at, at the same time it's like but because the nature of the way we do our class our, our training is so intense uh mm-hmm. and and the, with the way our gym culture is you know I, I could leave it out because we always do standing engagement every night so if a student felt inclined to challenge themselves and come to the next class they would still get it anyway but if the student just was not inclined to accept that challenge they still have a class where they're safe from it so i don't know i'd have to kind of reorient how i organize things but i think you're right to do it yeah Uh, you know for me i was like how can i still make like just a little bit of exposure because i know i probably wouldn't want to fall down unless i opt in all the way you know like i can understand people wanting to have an opt-in to that so it's like 
you get you almost get to not opt into that, but you, you might have to put your hand on the floor. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. as far as I'll throw you right now. You might have to put your hand on the floor because you're falling over. That's it, you know, or whatever. Well, well, even in the second class, when we start this, we always go towards the hands. That's the safest way the body falls. And that's yeah. a great way to get people used to falling without freaking out. And also guiding the attacker not to do something crazy, like fall backwards behind their opponent and snap their knees and stuff. Because mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. I've seen that happen way too many times. And I, oh, I hate that one. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. terrible, man. Like at yeah. Lloyd's, uh, I remember one time was particularly bad. These two guys that were like above 200 and one guy body locked the other one and just ripped him backwards and... The guy ended up having he broke both his uh tibia and his fibia uh mm -hmm. he dislocated his knee tore every ligament i mean it was his leg was Oof. didn't look like a leg it was the worst thing i'd ever seen um, we, yeah we had to call the ambulance and they couldn't get him it was it was horrific he had to have all re kinds of reconstructive surgery so yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 i mean that's why people are like man maybe i shouldn't fuck around with stand-up you know Oh yeah, no. So it's not for, not for accounting. Maybe he doesn't need that in his life. But yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, uh, it's not really the stand-up itself. Honestly, it's just how it's constrained, how it's talked about, how it's guided, yeah. because that's what makes live resistance safe is constraints. So as long mm -hmm. as you're constraining it so that that random crazy action doesn't happen, man, you're good to go. So everyone, yeah. you, uh, uh, you know, they complain. Oh, why live resistance? Why intensity, dude? Intensity is relative. You know, all the crazy things you think are happening is because you haven't constrained yourself as a coach to learn how to use live resistance as your main method for creating practice. Mm -hmm. but once you do, you're good to go, man. It's as safe as anything else. Yo, you're still on like the zero injury train, right? Because I, I still am. Like I never have that shit ever. Like, yeah. No. Kabir, dude, we have uh, four classes a day, all live rolling. And, and I am an intense guy and my intensity comes out in my practice, right? I urge my guys to be competitive. I urge my guys to win and with the small stuff. Like, let's say we're just, we're doing, I'm not going to fall down. You have to make me fall down. I urge, man, don't fall down. Don't fall down. Like I hype the room up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even in the face of all that, nobody ever gets hurt. The only yeah. kind of hurt we have are literally overuse. Like a guy did, mm -hmm. you know, arm lock training for four weeks in a row. And so, Okay, coach, my elbow is a little bit sore. But, yeah. Yeah, no injuries, man. We don't we don't get any. Yeah, I still yeah, I, I it's it's amazing. And I think it's um like one thing I've always noticed is like, man, I don't worry about my white belts blowing each other's arms off because they've already touched a fully extended arm, right? 100%. I sort of think the same thing now in the stand-up for my uh, beginner. I'm putting you in the dominant standing position, a standing rear body lock or a standing single and it's not the first time you've ever been there and this person's not freaking out and i, I think it has that similar effect let's say you know yeah if you never touch it when you see it like, ah, you know like whatever but if you're always touching it like and it's nothing you're you know you're behind people often you have this big advantage often you know that's another reason i've been trying to layer it in because like the two injuries happen at the ends of the spectrum right from feet to floor or when there's a limb and extension or in that, you know, so like, ah, how can I get them touches there to be safe too? No, I think, I think you're right, man. I think that initial exposure is, is, a, is a safety protocol. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, exposure is the best medicine against fear, right? So expose somebody, you reduce that fear. Yo, Yo. I have a question. Do you yeah. ever teach a break fall, bro? I haven't taught a break fall in a while. Like I can't I, imagine why, like, I, you know, it's so funny though, because like think of, Back in the day, you had to teach someone that, or you were literally giving them a death sentence. Is what we thought. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. I thought. 
Like, yeah, I don't teach this guy how to break fall. He's going to have a brain injury. His family's homeless. <laughs> like, you know, that's where it goes. You know, it's so important that, but like, I don't know. I haven't taught it and I haven't had anyone get fucked up. I haven't taught, I haven't had warm ups in my program or, yeah. or mat drills since I was a purple belt. The last time I did any of that is when I was teaching for a satellite school for Lloyd. Or I might have, I taught for Ryan Hall for a year. So I, I taught for Ryan mm. Hall from 2013 to 2014, that whole year. So I might have done it then. But the second I opened my doors, we have not had a warm up nor mat drills since I opened. So that and was it literally makes no difference. Like Zero difference. None. And that's the thing. I was like, man, it's so hilarious. And I saw people like, are you sure we shouldn't like stop those white belts and show them how to break fall? I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. They just need to know, like, don't dome yourself. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I, I think that the safety of delivery has more to do with the thrower than the, the receiver or the, the oh, take. Yeah. Yeah. The, yep. the progressive player. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny. All this stuff that people, people, oh, do you teach break falls? Do you do warm ups? So mm -hmm. I just listened to a talk with Ian Renshaw and a few other um, mm -hmm. uh, eco psych guys. And Ian Renshaw doesn't believe in warm ups. <laughs> He's yeah. like, it's not real. He, he, he said something interesting, though, because, uh, and, and I was talking actually, Scott, Scott Saberite about this, mm -hmm. is I noticed that every day that you start practice, your first round's always your worst. And so I had this idea that, what happens overnight is the is like a, a deattunement process. So when you step away, you're, you you detune from the information, and then when you revisit it the next day or the, the other, you know, two days, three days from now, whatever, you have to reattune to grabbing bodies and moving at that pace in that way. And because that's what it seems like as I watch my class, no matter how good the player is, that first round of the day, that first exchange always looks like shit. And even with mm -hmm. me, I always feel a little bit notchy that first round. And it's not because my heart rate's not up. It's not because anything like that. It's literally, I haven't touched a body in 24 hours or 48 hours. Mm -hmm. Ian Renshaw said the same shit. He was saying what he thinks warming up is, for, for a skill anyway, is a, a, a reattunement to the, the environment that, you know, you left 24 hours yep. ago. Um, and he said something interesting, and this has been in my mind since. He said, if you had to win your sport in one minute just by showing up and going, could you? And I've been like, man, that's very interesting to me. So I've, I've been practicing something personally. Right when I start my round, first first round of every day that I, I do or anytime I do a regular round, I go right away towards something. I have an intention and I try to go after it as hard as I can for the first minute. And I don't mean hard like sloppy. Mm -hmm. I just mean that I try to attune to that one thing immediately. To, and I, to, can I accomplish this task in one minute without warming up? Uh, and even that thought has been a great improvement for me in, as far as how the rest of my round goes. But anyway, that's my little they don't exist. They're not real. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny. Like, you know, think of all, like I had like, sometimes I'll have students like, yo, I remember when I trained at this other place, they taught us a forward shrimp. What do you use a forward shrimp for? <laughs> I'm like, bro, they made you do it and didn't tell you even a use case. You know, that's yeah. the other thing that like blows my mind is you'll, you'll make a person do something and not even like even ah, fucking melts my brain, bro. One of oh check this out. Here's another thing that melts your brain. Uh, another one of our brown belts went to a school. I'm not going to name it because it's a famous school and everyone knows it. Uh, but he went to it and he said the guy teaching, also a famous guy, was like, okay, you know, here at this school, we teach using concepts. And he said, then we spent the next 45 minutes showing it. He explicitly describing how to do a move, uh, like, you know. And he said it was it was crazy. They did so much drilling. They did, they ran around the mat. They did all this nonsense. But the guy started the class with here at mm. this school. We teach concepts, not moves. And he said, then he's, it's like, 
okay, I guess that's what you think you do. So the other yeah. day I, po I posted a meme. It's like, you know, everyone thinks they're gangster and still until concepts become things. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, um, what else is going on? You want to wrap here? This was pretty fun. I like this. this Hell like yeah, man. Reckon. I could talk about training and jujitsu shit forever, but I think we're a solid hour deep. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think you, you're, you're planning on sharing this with like a, a Discord or something or? Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, you just know, like, see if anyone uh, wants to listen to this bullshit. People do feverishly, I would say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, people love us. We're so lovable. Uh, yeah, not, especially, like, especially me. Yeah, so, you're like the people's town. Here's what I like is that when I first came out, people were like, yo, I want to talk to Kabir because fuck Greg Souders, Kabir's better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I totally get it. I'm like, yo, I was, I came out kind of hot and people were like, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. And it's interesting. Um, I feel like your and I conversations from the very first one we ever had to when we saw each other at Worlds, we met for the first time and every conversation we've had in between have been perfectly smooth and easy. So for two people who supposedly are personality opposites, I feel like we get along wonderfully. It's just because we both did work. And you're just saying people don't do work. And I'll let them, I'll let them, I'll let, I'll let them be. That's all. I'll let them be. Yeah, yeah. You don't let them be. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking I'll just like, I might just post on like YouTube. So it's easy. People can okay. share, you can share with people. Because I think this is like, for people who actually care about coaching, I think this is a very interesting conversation. I don't yeah. think it's an interesting thing for like a generic podcast, maybe all the time, okay. you know, like not everyone, but I think there's people who are engaged and I think, you would feel the same. I think people will want to check this out. Yeah, well, I, you have my permission to put it wherever you want. And, oh. uh, you know, if you ever have any ideas to do this again in any other way, I, I'll chat with you anytime. So, yeah, I think it's fun. You know, like, uh, of course, I don't want to force it. I had some cool things I was working on. I know you had some things. We've been sort of on like a quarterly six month cadence, you and yeah, I, anyway. Yeah. So it's sort of That's fun, true. you know, chop it yeah. up, catch up. I think it's a super good use of time. Yeah, true, man. Yeah, so bet. Yeah, man. Um, I'll turn this recording off and we'll be all Gucci. 